0: Welcome back to Two Nobodies, everyone. We're back with a wonderful guest this week and just can't be more excited. We have Adro Lorse joining us and Kyle, this is gonna be a fantastic conversation and we get to get to know Adward's work. Um, but I go I've known Adira as Didi. So uh Didi says it's great if we use that and and uh, so we're going to go with that. Didi, welcome to Two Nobodies. Really, it's a pleasure to have you and really looking forward to the conversation today.
1: Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on this wonderful day in Ottawa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the weather like in Ottawa right now?
1: Um, actually, it's, it's only minus four, so that's, you know, nice and balmy. Very nice.
2: It's warmer here. It's like six degrees in Edmonton. No way. Mm, way. Seriously? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it was like minus 20 yesterday and it's... Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah okay yeah <laughs> that makes so sense you still win <laughs> you know, you, the uh, as far as the weather goes, you still win
1: yeah sure. yeah
0: but minus ten in Ottawa, is, even then is can get kind of nasty, right Oh, like absolutely it? I you yeah. know, I
1: find Ottawa kind of cold um although we haven't we have been getting a whole lot more snow than when I was here as a student mm. um, so but yeah I think two days ago or three days ago, it was pretty much spring weather, and then the next day was just brutal it was cold mm. it was cold. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we've had this weird thing in Edmonton this year where it's like super cold, really warm, everything melts and then it freezes again. Yeah. So it's just been a skating rink in this city, it's insane. (laughs) You can't find there's a shortage of like sand and rocks and salt to like put on your sidewalk. You can't find it. So my sidewalk is embarrassingly slippery. I'm just (laughs) jerking the don't fall down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I try not to, it doesn't always work though. Brutal. So Ottawa's in the news, eh?
1: Oh. It's, uh, yeah. It seems
0: like it's just every day we're hearing something coming out of there. Something else. Yes. Something else. What's it? I think what's it, it, it actually like on the streets over there? Are you?
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, I do. I live in the suburbs, so I'm a little bit removed from you know all the action. Mm. Um but even so, you know, I, I talk about it with friends who do live close by. I talk mm. about it with the parents at my kid's school. That's all we can talk about. Um also cuz we're not used to being in the news like this, you know, we're not used to even being on international media for stuff like mm-hmm. this, right? Um I think there was a, a while there there was a a mix of disbelief really
0: that it was happening.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, because It doesn't really sound like Canada, you know, Mm. when you, I think we're used to, maybe not used to, but yeah, it happens maybe in other places, but we, we all seem to have, at least most of us, we have this idea of as, as Canadians and how we approach things. And so, um, I think when, when we were expecting the convoy to get over here, we're like, yeah, you know, okay. Um, some people agree, some people don't. But we'll see how it goes. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be typical Canadian fashion. Everything will be fine. Um, And now, (laughs) well, now it's something else. Um, I don't even know where it's going to go at this point. I I don't. Hopefully it ends soon in a more peaceful manner than, you know, what I heard when I turned on the news today. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking. It is shocking.
0: So I, so just for context, for people who are listening, we're recording this on February 19th. My understanding is that police have now gone in and they're starting to make arrests and starting to break up the convoy. Um, so when you say, expand a little bit when you say it's not very Canadian-like, like, what do you mean by that?
1: You know, we are a people, you know, we love our rights, we love our freedoms. Mm. But I think, and this is my personal opinion, um, I think that at the back of our our minds, even with that mindset, we've always had this view, I think, of how, say, my actions right, impact the next person.
0: Hmm.
1: And right now, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, it doesn't look like that idea, that picture that I had, maybe it was a utopian idea, I don't know. It doesn't look like that idea is what's unfolding. Because you hear about people who've been stuck in their homes, right? They're either afraid to go out or they actually can't go out, right? Mm. Um, Not because of this, but perhaps they're a person with disabilities. They actually can't get out unless they have help. Now, maybe they can't get that help because, well, the van that, you know, would would have brought someone to help them to get out of their, let's say, apartment building Mm -hmm. or a house can't get in because, well, the roads are blocked. Mm. I'm remembering when I was you know, a very new mother and how I felt when people would come by and ring the doorbell and I would go, stop it, I have a baby in here. <laughs> I have a baby in here. And so I'm just thinking, you know, this must be on a thousand levels above that. Oh, and I can't imagine how I would feel even close by. And just having what seems like absolutely no control over what's happening out there, and it doesn't even matter whether I agree with the message or I don't. I just I have no control. Hmm. I know.
2: Yeah, that's well put. It'd be tough as in your parents. It's- I don't know. I know when I had my kid, if somebody rang the doorbell at eight after he'd gone to bed, we'd just be oh. so mad, which is so unreasonable, right? Like, like they just want yep. to come in. Like, half yep. the time they were giving, you know, it was like food or presents or something because they mm-hmm. were, you know, just being wonderful friends and, like, neighbors. I know, right? But they'd ring the doorbell and be like, what are these idiots doing? Like, and my kid is just asleep. So I get that 100%. And, and it'd be awful if you had
0: no control over it. And if there's just somebody yeah. honking their horn or whatever, Yeah, it'd be terrible. So what I'm I'm hearing from you, Didi, is like, there's just this, um, I guess, feeling surprised that that kind of support or being there for each other, um, that we maybe are kind of, we think we're used to as Canadians, maybe is is not so much there. I wonder if you guys both thought about whether, like what COVID, if COVID is kind of really revealed, like some character flaws in our country or character flaws in our people. Like, I think like, it's, obviously, it's pushed people to an extreme on both ends. But just in terms of how we behave with one another, I, I kind of thought about whether COVID has kind of exacerbated that in any way. But
1: It's possible. It's possible. Certainly possible. Hmm. Um, because I myself, obviously, I've gone to know myself a whole lot more in the past couple of years.
0: Hmm.
1: And I've approached things in ways that I didn't think I would have approached, you know, in 2019. Um, So it is possible that COVID has kind of brought certain things to light, but I don't think it's just COVID. I think so much happened, maybe not even necessarily here in Canada, but around the world in that wonderful year, 2020, um, that the conversations that we normally would have had and maybe we would have been a little polite about it and, you know, kind of swept it under the rug or that sort of thing. I think that over the past couple of years, whether it's because of COVID or something else, we've become a little bit more vocal in how we feel about things and how we feel about people. Mm. And I think a part of that, yes, can be attributed to COVID in the sense that, and this is all my my point of view, right, yeah. my opinion. I feel that perhaps when people feel they're losing control in one sense, right? And COVID has made a lot of us feel like, you know, I have no control over what tomorrow's going to be like, you know, next week. How's that going to look like for Ottawa, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that perhaps, perhaps it's that sense of losing control over so many things that has made us as a people cling to controlling other things that we might have just kind of let go before Mm -hmm. COVID.
0: That's 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 a great point. Yeah, so it's like that, um, going back to what they know because they they're being challenged with what they don't know, right? Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean,
2: it's it's a year of, or I mean, it's been two years, I suppose, now of sort of mm self-learning from a personal level for me, just dealing with, like you said, more things that are outside of your control and not knowing day to day how to approach certain things, or like you know this constant risk analysis that we do with every single situation now um you know like with our kids for example is it worth going to this play date or, or this birthday party so like they need to see kids because they're not out you know mm-hmm. uh they've been home from daycare and stuff but you know so do they go and, and and have fun and 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 um grow as as like human beings but then we expose them to that risk and it's yeah i, I know that i found personally that i'm i'm more anxious than i thought i was and i think it has to do with sort yes. of that like loss of control and that increased sort of risk assessment that has to happen every day. Mm. Uh, so I'd agree with that totally.
1: Yeah, every single day. Mm. You know, um, I think, especially for me, you know, since you brought up um, parent, parenting and stuff like like that, I do remember, obviously it's been constant over past two years, almost, right? Next month will really mm-hmm. be, I two mean, years. COVID was in Canada, I think, before then, but you know, March 13th for me, was when it, it really hit. Um, that's when the grocery stores, you know, in my neighborhood, run out of stuff because mm. um, everyone just went panic buying, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. Actually, I didn't go. I asked my husband to go. He got there, <laughs> and there was no bread. Okay, well, I've learned to bake, so that's a plus. That's Everyone's a plus.
0: learned to bake. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly this January, you know, with Omicron everywhere now. Mm um it was the conversation was do we send her to school or should she just stay home and then the school board decided okay they'll be at home for a while so then at least I was actually happy I was grateful I didn't have to make that decision it was taken out of my Mm -hmm. hands but once they went back to school it was like well do we let her go should we not are we damaging her by not letting her go? Mm. Um, there's just been, as you said, Kyle, just the risk assessment and constant analyzing of every single decision, it's, it's an overload right now. Yeah, it makes you tired. It's an yeah, overload. Total fatigue, yeah. it, I think. And maybe that is affecting us in other ways. Um, and like we said, making us you know, try to cling to things that we might have let go of mm. before COVID. Yeah.
0: That's an interesting perspective in that um, in, you know, raising the fact that we're, like both of you guys raised the whole um, always going through this risk assessment. Some people don't always have the capacity to be able to weigh those risks effectively. And so to your point about um, your child and and not sure of what decision to make and then it being um, that decision almost essentially being made for you because of what the school board, I never thought about that 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 could potentially ease the burden for for some parents right and having to maybe make that decision because certainly in our province there's a certain angle towards like you know putting the power in the parents hands and, and empowering choice right and that sort of a, a, a seems like a a predominant view um but i never really thought about uh that you know when school boards or governments make those decisions for people it actually can alleviate that burden and alleviate the pressure and, and actually serve as a benefit, right? Yeah,
1: uh, I, was, I was grateful for that, that mm-hmm. I didn't have to, you know, as a parent say, you know, maybe stay home for the first day because I'm not sure. I mean, how would I explain it to her? Mm-hmm. You know, she'd been at home over the break. She was looking forward to seeing her friends. But at the same time, and she's very smart, right? So at the same time, she asked me, so... Is the virus actually in our home? We call it the germs. She's at that age, you know, so she she came. You know, are the germs still out there? I'm like, um, you know, people are working very hard to you know try to make it go away, and you know all that. I did my whole parenting spiel. Didn't really work. Maybe it did. I don't know. But yeah, it 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 was a relief. I think. Mm. And I, I, you know, before now, I hadn't actually thought about it that way, but it was a relief not to, I don't know what I would have decided.
0: No. Maybe
1: I would have said, yeah, stay home that first day back, you know, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I would have said, just go anyway, and let's see how it goes. I know some parents, um, you know, in the same school who, one of them in particular, amazing woman, um, but yeah, she, she was weighing that too. And she decided to keep her kids home for the first two weeks, um, at least until they got, you know, both shots, mm. right? So, on the one hand, I don't like losing control, but on the other hand, sometimes not having to make that decision, having it made for me, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we're lucky, I mean, you know, so my family situation, we're lucky because my wife was home with Matt, even, so if we did decide to keep our son home, it wasn't like one of us wasn't going to work or something, she was able to look after both. Mm Not that that's an easy task by any stretch, but, but it, uh, we didn't have to make a decision of who's going to work and who's not going to work. And does that impact sort of our yeah. our, our monthly income? So maybe that's why mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I I felt it was more of a positive thing, but I, I totally agree. It was you know like, I was just so sick of saying, well, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we? It was mm-hmm. nice to just have somebody say, we are closing daycares. And like, that was when the pandemic really first yeah. hit for us. They said all daycares are closed and it was probably, I don't know, March or May, I suppose, March, yeah like mid-March, whatever it was, and it was just like, okay, like we're just in this together and that decision's been made and now we just figure out how to deal with it. And so I I sort of welcomed it at the time and um, just one less thing to have to consider.
1: Mm -hmm. But you know, on the flip side of that, at least the very first weeks of January when I was kind of, you know, a little bit calm because I didn't have to make that decision, I was also imagining the scenario of What if I was a single parent? How would I feel? Mm -hmm. Um, Not even a single parent. What if I was a single parent and I could not miss work? And maybe I didn't have that many daycare options available Mm -hmm. to me. You know, so, and because, especially of my work, you know, I come across a lot of women who, um, some who have, you know, similar experiences as I do, some who don't. And so, yeah, I just kept thinking about women who might, women in particular, because of my work, um, women who might not have access to the to the things I've gotten used to, to think, the things that I've taken for granted, right? Because um, there were a lot of people who were also upset by the decision to keep the kids mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. Um, at least you know a month ago, and it wasn't because they just didn't want their kids to go to school; or they wanted their kids to go to school. It was. I think some of it was also for financial considerations, some sure. for, you know, mental health considerations. But uh, past two years been tough. I could not have imagined this on December thirty first, twenty nineteen. If you had told me <laughs> this is what the next couple of years is going to yeah. look like, I'd have said, "Go away, shut yeah. up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for
0: sure. Yeah. So you. So let's get into your work. So uh, mm-hmm. this pandemic. Now, I can't remember. Did you, did you start Girl Table? Uh, before or or during before so
1: I started it in June 2018 okay I called it a project I was it was the very first time I'm a very entrepreneurial person I'm always coming up with some idea although now I've come to realize it's not about coming up with ideas it's about well seeing them through (laughs) 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 you'd think that I would know that right It's about seeing them through, and then it's about sticking to them, right? Um, So I started in June 2018, and at the time, let me tell you how it started. Yeah,
0: for sure. All
1: right, so I think a part of me, I had always wanted to create uh, some sort of community for, you know, to bring people together, but how Girl, Girl Table started is I was at a conference, so I used to work in the provincial public service here, and... My contract was actually about to end for that particular role that I was in, as a program advisor, going around to children's homes, um, well, as we call them, you know, colloquially, group homes, um, and speaking with, you know, the children there, the youth there, children's aid societies, and and so I picked up a lot from that particular position. And about a week before that particular position ended, you know, I got the chance to go to a conference where I heard from someone who had been trafficked. And, you know, as she was telling us her story, and it was absolutely horrible, as she was telling us her story, she mentioned in passing how her traffickers had used social media against her by, you know, sending me- posing as her, basically, and sending messages to her family and friends, um, offering her services, right? That's absolutely horrible. When she said that, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just tying in everything I'd always wanted to do. I don't know. But when she mentioned social media, I just it just occurred to me, okay, you know, I like social media. This is an example of social media being used mm-hmm. for really horrible stuff. By the way, is there a community where, you know, if I'm facing some kind of issue like this, I could go on to it, send a message, you know, obviously I wouldn't give my name in such a situation, but Describe what's going on with me and maybe get viewpoints from other people as to, you know, not necessarily advice, but as to how they would handle it. Or maybe I might even get somebody who had been through such a situation to be like, I was, you know, facing exactly what you're facing now. And this is what I did. This is how I got out. So it was just a thought, but I couldn't let go of it, you know? So when I got home two days later, I was like, okay, I got to do something with this. Mm. So I knew how to create a community platform. And the things that I didn't know how to do, I knew the software, you know, around for that. So I put it together and I was like, okay, well, what do we call it now? Who is it for? And I thought, well, in my line of work, right, I came across, even though it was children and youth, most of the people I interviewed were women and girls. Mm. And their stories had impacted me. I mean, you know, we're taught not to it's not as if you're supposed to be you know a robot but we're taught not to take it home right because it's tough some of the these aren't just stories these are people's lives right so we were taught not to let the stories get to us not to let their lives get to us in such a way that we can function but because i was always you know pretty much around women in that line of work i thought yeah Let's make it about women and girls, sure. I know that. I know I'm a woman. So I kind of have a sense of what it's like to be a woman. So let me put this community together. Let's see how it goes. I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't know even if there's a need for it. I think there might be, but I don't know. So I put it together, chose a name, and then because of my previous experience you know, creating ideas, um, helping other organizations with their, their social media and whatnot. I kind of knew which platform to go to immediately to at least put an ad out there, see if anyone was interested. Oh, I don't know what I expected, but in the first week, the kind of response I got, that made me realize you're onto something. something There's a real need for this. Yeah. So that's how Girl Table started.
0: So uh, before, okay, the line of work that you were doing in in the provincial Mm -hmm. public service, what was the drive for that? Like, where did that come from? You know,
1: I'm not even sure. I think it's all my life experiences put together. Um, I was going to say, do you have time? But I think you do. (laughs) So I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada. I was born in um, Kitchener. But then I went out of Canada for 15 plus years. I lived in Ghana. I lived in Gambia. I had long stays in Swaziland or Eswatini now and Zimbabwe. And I saw a lot. I experienced a lot. Even within, say, Ghana, which is actually not just a place I lived. It's also the place of my heritage. That's where my family comes Mm -hmm. from. We moved around a whole lot. What what ages were these that you were there? Oh, in Ghana. I mean, I lived in Ghana the longest. Um, So even, I left Ghana when I was 14.
0: Okay.
1: Not to come back to Canada.
0: formative years. Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I saw so much and I experienced um, so much, even just by moving around, that I think all of those experiences combined, I picked up something. I picked up an appreciation for the things that I have that I might otherwise take for granted Mm. because I realized, I mean, I would step out the door and meet someone whose life experience was so different from mine. And then even in schools, you know, um, I'm a person of the Christian faith. In schools, in religion class, we would learn about Christianity, would learn about Islam, would learn about Hinduism, would learn about Buddhism, would learn about traditional African religions. So we'd learn about the things that made us different. And then we'd go to the playground and be like, you like red, I like red. <laughs> Powerpuff Girls, amazing, let's be best friends, right? I love that. So in the classroom... <laughs> In the classroom, we learned about the differences, but then we'd go out and realize that, okay, yeah, 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 difference, yeah, 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 got that, but these are the things that we like together, and so let's be friends because of these things. And then, also, I come from a very big extended family, right, and we're pretty much full of women. (laughs) And so I think having those older than me, those younger than me, um, seeing strong women left, right, center, Meeting women who, of themselves, they were strong, right? But because of the situations um, that they were in, they perhaps couldn't achieve the dreams that they, you know, the things they dreamt about. I think all of that combined, plus the things that I experienced in the Gambia, you know, um, Gambia is a predominantly Muslim country. So, I went from Ghana to Gambia. Ghana is predominantly Christian. Mm -hmm. So, I went from a predominantly Christian place to a place where I was a religious minority. Kind of gives you an appreciation for a tolerant society. Because I would not have liked to be in a place where, you know, I could not worship the way I wanted to. Sure. Right? So, all of these things combined, I think I picked up something. I can't tell you exactly what, but I picked up something. And it gave me an outward focus. Um, You know, I used to say in interviews when I was an undergrad, whenever it always sounded weird to people, but I would say that, you know, you give me a question. Yes, I can think about it. I can kind of get to the nitty gritty, right? But I also have this global outlook. And I think it's because of these experiences that, you know, I'm not just going to answer the question based on how it affects the target group, right? I'm going to look at how it impacts the people you're not even trying to attract. That's me.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah.
2: So tell us about Girl Table. I'm I'm so interested. I was uh, I was perusing the website um, in in preparation for this interview, and I would love to sort of know. In your mind when you were developing it um so you said the story about like the the uh trafficker Mm -hmm. and how how um how how that story stuck with you and how she could use somebody or a community or some form of connection Mm -hmm. so that sort of seed point Mm -hmm. to what it is now (laughs) uh has it become what you thought it would be or did it evolve into something a little bit different or sort of where are you on that
1: it's so much more it's so much Mm -hmm. more Um, I think everything that Girl Table is now did grow out of the community, right? So the different platforms that we have all came through the community in the sense, so for example, take our marketplace, right? The reason I said, let's create a marketplace was because the women in the community were trying to advertise the things that they made, the things that they sold, right? And I thought, this is not a really efficient way of doing this. So how about we create a platform, an actual marketplace, where they can put these things and get people from around the world, right, to buy their stuff. Um, When you take oba, which I call it oba, but really the word is oba, and it's, it's it's a tree word from Ghana. It's a tree word which means, so the language is tree, and it's a tree word which means woman. And the reason for that was, again, in the community. Women and girls were posting articles they'd written. They were posting their life experiences. They were posting poetry. And I thought, the community is also, uh, I'm reading, my team's reading, other women are reading, but wouldn't it be better to put it out there so people who are not women, who are not, or who might be, but are not in the community, right? Could actually read the viewpoints of people and realize, wow, I never thought about things that way. And so that's why we came up with Oba, the publishing platform. Um, May Betty, May Betty, May Betty's actually named after my mother. Um, but May Betty, the idea there was, again, to create an opportunity for those, particularly in the service industry, to kind of showcase whatever it is that they do and hopefully, you know, get more clients that way. So just as, you know, to take these examples, every single platform that's part of Girl Table, that's separate from the original community, exists because of the women in the community, the actual community, right? Um, it was because it was so obvious that there was a need for all these things. So why not just make mm-hmm. them? And I think that's, that's the kind of person that I am. I'm always like, why don't I just make it? You know, I can make it. Um, I might tick off the boxes. Well, do I have the technical know-how? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. Let's go. Now, obviously, I'm a little bit older now, so now I re- I realize it's not enough to just be able to do something. I realize I'm the kind of person I need to. There needs to be a cause attached to the thing I'm doing, and it needs to be a cause that I care about. Hmm. And all, I, you know, girl table checks up all those boxes for me. So, when I'm working on anything to do with Girl Table, time just flies like that. It's like, really? It's already seven? Okay, fine. I'll get up. I'll close the computer.
2: (laughs) That's good. You're in the zone. I was just reading a book about being in the zone and like when you're working on something and like time flies and you're, you know, heavily invested in it and it's sort of right at your skill level and sort of pushes you a little bit. Yeah, people try to find ways, all kinds of ways to kind of get into that space because you are 100% present when you're working in the mm-hmm. zone, they call it. So that's mm-hmm. amazing that you found this work that allows you to just kind of dive right in. Yeah. Um, so maybe for, uh, for those who are uninitiated, what's the elevator pitch for Girl Tables? Like what is Girl Table? How do you describe uh-huh. it to those?
1: Girl Table is a community of women and girls around the world where we share life experiences, we grow together, we share our achievements, our challenges. That's Girl Table. In a nutshell, if I were to expand on that, then I would talk about all these other platforms out there which have grown out of Girl Table. In a nutshell, I would say it's what we have on our homepage. Girl Table is a community of women and girls around the world, and we are dedicated to inspiring each other and empowering each other. So I think for every platform, sometimes I ask myself, okay, what, what, what is this one doing? Is this one inspiring? Is this one empowering? What kind of empowerment? Is it financial? Is it simply giving people a platform on which to stand, a podium to stand and speak up? Because you know, some of the things, especially for me, I think because of my life experiences, I didn't realize that actually having a podium on which to stand to speak my mind, it's so freeing. And that right there is empowerment. Hmm. I didn't realize it because I was so used to it. That's what I grew up seeing, but that's not everyone's story, and you don't even have to go to a different country to get that, honestly. Right here in Canada, I can assure you, there is a woman, there is a girl, there's someone who's not even a woman or a girl who needs a podium on which to stand. A podium, some platform that makes them feel like, you can just talk, we'll listen. We're not even gonna interrupt. Just talk. Get it off your chest. It's there's a lot of power in that.
0: How do you how do you ensure that that podium is a safe podium? Like, so can anyone can anyone sign up? Do you screen the people who uh, sign? Like, what does that look like?
1: We do. So we do screen, but it's a bit of a light screening because here's the thing. I wanted to make it such that people don't feel like you know they are applying for something. I don't like applying for things, okay? <laughs> so, so it was it's very important to me for this for the community to not feel like some sort of um, membership group. And there are situations where that's important. I mean I was a girl guide, right? So there are situations where that's important. But for Girl Table, I want it very much to be a simple come here. Yeah, okay, yeah, I need that. Sign up. You don't even realize we're screening, right, on the back end. We are. We are to make sure that the community is relevant for you and that it's a right fit. And one of the easiest ways that I found to do that when we're coming up with our community guidelines, I made it very clear exactly what it's about, what it's not. So one of my favorite lines in there, is, um, I'm paraphrasing, that Girl Table is not a place, it's a place for discussion and all that, but it's not a place to incite hatred for any group and that sort of thing. Because I found very early on that with, especially for Girl Table, because we had that global focus right away, right? Um, People would come on and, of course, they didn't mean any harm by it, but they would come on and maybe say something that, Within their within their particular situation, it made sense to to say that you know it was not offensive, but out there in the global context, yeah, that was offensive, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was very important to me to constantly reiterate that you know it's a community, it's a safe place for us all, right? So you can come and. We have ways where if you want to talk about, I mean, there are taboo topics, right? So if you, at the dinner table, they say don't talk about religion, don't talk about money, don't talk about politics, right? People talk about religion, they talk about money, they talk about politics. And I think that most of the members in Girl Table have come to realize it's a safe place. Get it off your chest, but be respectful about it, Mm -hmm. right? I want to hear what you have to say. The other sisters in the community they want to hear what you have to say but do so in a way that doesn't make other people feel as though you're judging them because then the whole point of the community is lost if people begin to feel like you know if i go there i'm going to be judged for thinking x y and z yeah it's all lost then right
2: so i'm going to bring up one of those taboo things that you just said that we <laughs> shouldn't be talking about so uh money so f- f- from what i understand you now uh, have left your job with the province mm-hmm. and it's girl table full time, which is amazing. Absolutely. Um, when I was cruising the website, I saw that it looks like to sign up is free. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does girl table make money?
1: Girl table, our money is coming in through the empowerment platforms. Um, mm. so for example, if you take our marketplace, I would have loved to say here, come in for absolutely nothing. Right. And just sell. But then we need money to sure. run real yeah. table.
0: <laughs> yeah, <it> exactly.
1: <makes> <laughs> exactly. So the way our marketplace, for example, runs is, you know, come in. It's free to post your products, put it out there. We will even advertise on social media for you. We'll do things that other people might charge. No problem. But when it sells, please give us a 5% commission. We explain that 5%, it's not to come be in my pocket, Right. It's to help us continue providing these empowerment-focused platforms. So it's through things like the Marketplace. Um, Oba, for example, our publishing platform, we're actually in the final stages of tweaking it to make it such that it's still free, but then there are these added, you could say add-ons really, right? That if you want to add onto whatever it is that you're already doing, pay a small amount. And the way we've gone about it is, you know, we've done our market research and we always try to kind of come offer of really low prices because the idea is not to make money of um, people's experiences. The idea is, I recognize, you know, I mean, I dream, but I'm also a realist, a realist and I, I realize that we need funds to run the platform.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So... This is, you know, the basics aren't, it's not like base stuff that you wouldn't want. It's everything you want. But if you want these extras, please give us this extra amount. And we use those funds to continue doing everything that we're doing.
2: No, that makes sense. And I think that's sort of the normal, uh, particularly as it relates to the marketplace, like that's how eBay works. So if you, you know, sign up and like want to sell something, it's free. And then sure. when you sell it, that's when eBay takes this cut. And I think it's different if mm-hmm. you're like a big, you know, um, a big company. Yeah, totally. But uh, that makes sense to me. And the other thing I would say is I think people should be, and this sounds like I'm just advertising for Grill Table, and I'm not, <laughs> but, like, people should be comfortable spending a bit of money on these services because there's a reason that, like, Google is free. And, like, there's a mm-hmm. reason that, like, Facebook is free. And that's because they're collecting your information and that's and they're true. selling it to other people on the, you know. That's true um sort of without your knowledge or you know folks know but they're willingly giving up you know this information (laughs) and so when you're paying for a service that removes that need to sell that information and i'm not saying everybody that you know who has a service that you pay for isn't doing that but when a product is amazing and it's free there's generally a reason like they're getting their money one way or another yeah um yeah that's true yeah so i think that 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 business model makes sense to me and that seems to be how other uh similar business models would would Mm -hmm. work in the same sphere. Yeah, no,
1: it was it was absolutely important to me because you know, every time I just have to remind myself, why did I start this, right? I started it to actually help. So I don't want to ever get to the point where it feels like it's become about numbers. So every time I get the chance to speak, I want to make it clear. Girl Table is a social enterprise, right? It's a social enterprise. It's a social mm-hmm. enterprise. We're not here <laughs> I didn't create it because I thought, yeah, I could create it. I'm good at it, and then I can make money off it. <laughs> no, right, and that is well, that's not, not a, bad a problem thing, either. But yeah. but that's not a problem at all. But for me, that mm-hmm. was not why I went into it, right. That's not why I got into it, and so I don't want that to ever change.
0: Yeah. When just thinking about the platform itself, we so talked about how um, you know how to keep it safe, the screening piece have you ever thought about and i don't know how you would do this but um i feel like men could learn a lot from from some of the stories and the insights that are are being shared but I obviously that's a tricky piece because you know then um for for the sisterhood on that on that platform um maybe it, it prevents people from maybe posting or i don't know but have has there been any thought about how to weave men into this because i'm assuming as part of your screening um gender is probably one of those things you screen for i would think yeah
1: yeah we do screen for gender but it's not like you know if we realize that you don't identify as a woman we're gonna say get out of here right no um it's we make it clear what the purpose of girl table is right and we're here to support this particular marginalized community right this a of society that we feel needs um, a safe space. If you feel that you want to be a part of that, kudos to you, because I think the end game is to kind of make the playing field a little bit more equal, a little bit balanced. You know, um, for me sitting here in Canada, in you know, in a nice house with snow outside, and I can see it and all that. Um Sometimes I can be a little bit far removed from what someone in another part of Canada or in another mm-hmm. country, what their reality is, right. I can read um, and I like reading. I've always liked reading about cultures and history and I'm the kind of person who I'll say I'm going to bed at 10:30 and at 330 I'm really on some encyclopedia reading about what happened in 910 BC. Um, <laughs> so you know, I've always liked, cultures and that sort of thing but I guess for me it really comes down to you recognizing that there is a need there is a reason why women around the world wherever they are feel sometimes in some places all the time feel that they need this community where they can just unleash where they can be supported Where people aren't going to be judging them. Where all the things that have been accepted as fact in their society they might get someone to say you know, that's exactly how it is here. And this is problematic because and then maybe they can sit and kind of talk amongst themselves ask themselves what can we do? Are there more people who think this way? Right? Mm. I think that for me, I recognized a while ago that it's not only women who, who would like to have that playing field made a little bit more equal. There are other marginalized groups. So for example, if you take the marketplace, it's not only for women not. You wouldn't know it because of the colors that we chose. Some mm. people say that it's in their mind, it's like, there's no such thing as feminine colors, by the way. But um, we do get that sometimes where people say, you know, these colors in my part of the world, they're considered feminine. Mm. I would argue that we have to think about our main focus, our target market. But If you are of any group and you feel that you could help, you could use some help in, let's say, selling your products, come and join the marketplace. We'd be happy to have you. If you feel that, um, I don't know, your voice is, you know, you're not allowed to speak the way you would want to. Maybe you've seen other people who are like you in other countries get Mm -hmm. a chance to speak so freely. But for many reasons in your country, it's not that way. And so, you know, you've heard of Girl Table. You're like, yeah, I want to publish my viewpoint on OBAP. We're not going to send you away. It is primarily intended for women and girls, for people who identify as women and girls. But there are people on Girl Table. There are people on the other platforms who do not identify as women and girls. And that is a good thing. I appreciate all viewpoints. It, you know, I the idea is not to end up coming up with some sort of groupthink, right? I don't think that there is one singular female experience, one singular um, experience from any other group that you could, you know, kind of identify with. I think that there are so many different voices. The more the merrier. Come join.
0: Share our stories. Otherwise, you just create isolation in, exactly. in another weird, twisted way. Right? Exactly. Do you find that uh, in the community that there are genuine relationships being built between strangers and people? or...?
1: Yes. So um, there are a few people who have written to us who would be like, "Oh my goodness, thank you so much. I moved to the city and I didn't know anybody here." Or um, you know, I'm here. I go to school here. I've lived here for a long time. My parents are from here. And this particular topic is a taboo thing, right? We don't talk about it. And I didn't know there were other people who thought this way. And Mm -hmm. it turns out two streets away, right? Two streets away from me, there was a girl who I saw her every day. I'm thinking of one particular example. There was a girl that I saw every single day. I didn't know she thought like me at all. Then it turns out we do because I'm on girl table. She's on it. I saw her post and I couldn't believe it. So I like that, you know. Um, Personally, I'm not here for the superficial relationships. I like Mm. deep relationships where we talk. We don't have to agree, right? And I think because of all my different experiences, that's one thing that is very important to me. We do not have to agree. We're probably not gonna agree on so many things, but we're also gonna agree probably on so many other things. And we're not going to discover that unless we actually take time to talk to each other, right? Or in the case of Girl Table, put up a post. And then you get people who are like, yeah, I think that, or no, I don't, or I don't know. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but this is why I think the way I think. I think it all starts with dialogue.
0: Yeah, and I, and I wonder, and I don't know if you're seeing this too, if there's an intention uh, from many community members or all community members of you know, finding a common understanding or or just willing to understand people's experiences. Whereas like, you know, when you go into regular social media, the Facebooks, whatever, I know mean, we don't, Kyle and I don't even have these accounts anyways, but, um, but this is just an assumption or understanding is that- MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> um, that you could just, uh, you know, you could post, you post whatever you want and you don't, ex- you know, you say all these things, but the intention may not be to build relationships sure. the intention may not be able might not be to understand someone else's perspective that changes things right that changes it does. how people receive information how people put out information whereas i i wonder like i'm trying to i guess what i'm trying to get to Didi, is that um, obviously there's clear differences mm-hmm. between the platform that you operate and and some of the other mainstream social media platforms but i'm trying to understand sort of the 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 intricacies the differences Mm -hmm. in those intricacies and how people actually behave and and interact with the platform
1: i gotta be honest i'm not even sure exactly what it is that makes people kind of realize immediately that this is different but we ask one question of everyone who joins we're like i think if i remember correctly we tell we say you know this is what girl table is right it's a platform to share your experiences yada 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 um why are you here And most of the time, it's the things that you said. People are like, I want to hear from other people. I want to hear their life experiences. Someone's like, I want to, you know, this is how I feel on this particular topic. And I want to know what your viewpoints are. I want to know whether other people think like me. And Mm -hmm. if not, I want to hear. Right? I think so many of the women have answered this particular question. And the theme is pretty much that. People want to hear from other people. And it's not... like I said to come together to agree yes there is that sense of finding people who think like you right that's how a lot of friendships are you know formed mm-hmm. but there's also that element of I'm, I'm just curious I want to know does someone in Jamaica think like me does someone in Afghanistan think like me does someone in India think like me does someone in um, Nigeria think like me why do they think like me is it I don't know why do they think like me you know And I think, for for example, for our storytelling piece, the GT Story Project, that was actually why it was very important for me to say, let's separate that and put that out there so everyone can read it. You Google someone who we featured, you're going to find them probably, I don't know, top three, top five results. It's important for people to see what people are doing, but it's also important Mm -hmm. to know how people think and why they think the way they do. It's not to get you to agree... Right, Um, the three of us we could be best buds, but there are things that we're going to disagree on. Right, and it's not even to get you to understand. I think for me personally, I have an issue with. I think it's it's the way we speak. I don't know. We kind of think of the word understand as synonymous with agree. So it's like I don't understand you. What we're really saying is I don't agree with you. We don't really mean I don't understand, as in I couldn't comprehend what you were saying or why you got there. What we're saying is I don't agree with you. But the other person just feels like maybe there's something, I don't know, wrong with me or something. That's why I don't think like everybody else. That's why they don't agree. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's important to have this, this platform and all these platforms um, where we see the differences. And then we go out to the playground and form friendships for a whole <laughs> host of other reasons. I love that. <laughs> well that's how that's how it was for me right um yeah, and I'm sure yeah. for you guys too you know growing up going to school seeing different people talking to different people um you know you learn all the things that make human beings different and then you go play in a way you know in fourth grade fourth grade where was I, I was in um I was in Ghana when we were learning um uh I don't know different things in Christianity, when we're learning um, the pillars of Islam, for example, when we're learning, um, I don't know, all the whole host of things that we're learning. how, How I was in Ghana, you know, referred to the Supreme Being. The point was not to convert me or to convert the next person, right, to become a particular faith or maybe not to even have a faith, right? That was not the point. I think the real genius, and I didn't realize it at the time, but the real genius was that I think that it built in us a certain realization that we're not all alike. But if we can all sit in this classroom, then I guess we can go out there and exist peacefully. And that's important to me. As a person, it's important to me um, to help people get to that point where they acknowledge that you can be friends with someone that you do not agree with on a host of issues. Hmm. You don't have to fight them. You don't have to paint an image of people you don't agree. I mean, take COVID right now. It's so polarizing. Um, The different um, strategies that are being used... um, To kind of, well, I mean, I think we've closed the chapter on maybe getting rid of it. um, But certainly, at least, maybe learn to live with it to some degree. I don't know. We don't get anywhere when, you know, if I think a certain way, I don't get anywhere by making it look as though the people on the other side are ignorant. And they don't get anywhere when they paint me and people who think like me as ignorant we're not going to get anywhere not going to agree and it's just going to be a whole nightmare let's talk something that yeah
2: yeah that's something that uh we've talked about a lot in this podcast it's just that having that space to have sort of those controversial Mm -hmm. or contentious conversations is probably at an all-time low which really (laughs) so i mean in in a lot of ways like it's just because like the mass polarization politically or you know whatever stance you're on and i was guilty of it for a long time whereas if i didn't agree with somebody I could, you know, if, whatever, I'm an Oilers fan and like you're a Senators fan maybe because you're from Ottawa, <laughs> but I could say, oh, like they're Senators fans. I don't need to listen to them because like we won't agree on, on, on anything. So there's no middle ground here. So I'm just going to totally write their opinion off. And I used to do that. Um, and I, I think that that's quite common these days. And so that space to have contentious or uh, uh, controversial mm-hmm. conversations is as small as it's ever been, I I sort of feel like.
1: yeah. I mean that, I think that was there pre-covid but certainly covid has magnified all the things that we would have tried to hide mm-hmm. right yeah but there is hope so long as you sit down and listen to the other person
0: <laughs> yeah for sure yeah you know I, I was thinking about that um experience that you said uh you know back in Ghana and you 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 guys would understand each other's religions, or Mm -hmm. I'm using the word understand. So, uh, Mm you know, I'll 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 go with the way you framed it because I do like the way you framed it. Um, That I think that just leads to a much more enriching relationship with each other, right? Like, so I'm thinking about the way I grew up in Toronto, right? Like, I grew up in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. My friends probably knew I was, you know, grew up like born in the country, but like my family was East Indian. You know, they were aware of that, but you know, once you go and play, I kind of felt though that they never really actively tried to understand, understand that, understand where I was coming from. So I always felt kind of isolated, and I had to hide that part of part of me, right? And so I kind of grew up uh, with this sort of inferiority or, or not feeling. Uh, you know, like I was at the same level with, with other people um, because there wasn't, and I think this continues in our country where, like we say, we're diverse, but we don't really try to uh, fully connect with each other and and in, in, engulf in, in each other's, you know, uh, you know, cultures and perspectives. And it's kind of at this superficial level. And that's what I always found growing up, whereas the experience that you shared, it sounds like that, it was very sort of like tight knit and trying to understand. Absolutely. So totally, like it's, 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 it's easier to have, um, you know, while still hard, it's easier to have disagreements and have those harder conversations. Or, you know, a simple example is it's harder to uh, insult somebody when you know their family or when you understand <laughs> where they're coming from, right? Like it's whereas, uh, but I think that the way our society has been built and the way social media kind of facilitates that, We're always operating at this sort of superficial level. Whereas maybe perhaps um, your platform might be changing that a little bit.
1: Well, I hope so. Um, But I think it's stepping stones, building blocks, right? Um, Mm. You know, every now and then, because I don't go on the community myself all the time, um, but, you know, someone else might report to me, or um, the odd chance that I'm actually in there myself. I might see a comment and go, oh, this person must be new. And the reason I know this person must be new is because of maybe the way a particular comment, right, was phrased. Um, And then I'm like, "Eh, give them a month or two. They'll be talking differently, right? (laughs) Because, as you said, I think the society out there, I don't know what it is. We've become very... I don't know when it started. Was it always like this where, you know, we try to only make associations with people who think like us, walk like us, dress like us, talk like us?
0: I mean, there's always been tribalism, right? True. And I've talked about that more and more recently. But
1: But I don't know if it's getting better or worse.
0: It seems like it's getting worse just because maybe we're more aware of it and we see it out there, but I don't know if it's any different.
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know, like with, you know, uh, clickbait and stuff, and a lot of the stuff you read now is is designed to get your attention, and so maybe things are conflated, or they're elevated, or they're mm-hmm. exaggerated, or whatever it is. So, oftentimes, what the stuff that we read about on the you know front page of whatever news source you get probably is isn't quite accurate, and so it it could be sort of a symptom of you know there's a very small percentage of actual uh, uh, current events. That are getting a very large amount of airtime, whether they're they're sort of relevant or not, that sort of you know might shift our perspective or you know um, represent something that's not true, yeah. but we think it's true because we read about it all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, and it's one that uh, I yeah. think about sometimes. Certainly, like in a lot of ways, not like this is the best time to ever be alive. Mm-hmm. And, and we often think that it's not because we'll look at, you know, headlines or whatever it is and think that things are so much worse. But really, that's not the case. But in some ways, it it, it probably is worse in certain aspects. And I, I sort of wonder if that's one of them, yeah. but I'm not sure.
1: You know, I just had a thought, um, because it's important to say, even though I had all these experiences and now obviously I realize, I mean, I kind of knew to a certain extent growing up, but appreciate a lot more now that, um, people do not all think the same way, right? I think, you know, I should let you know, I remember when I met my husband and he's originally from Ghana. We met in undergrad. And um, when I met him and we were talking, I think at the back of my mind, I just imagined, eh, I mean, my family's from Ghana. I lived in Ghana. I know Ghana like the back of my head. I know better (laughs) than you Um, because I moved around so many places in Ghana. But as we spoke and we spoke on so many things as we spoke, I realized, wow, there is so much I did not know that if someone else who had not had that experience, right? Let's say they went to Ghana and they came to report this to me. I'd say, you're lying. Stop it. Why are you trying to pay Ghana bad, right? <laughs> but in talking with him, I mean, I've spoken to so many other people since then, obviously. But um, in talking with him at the time, I realized, wow, I did not realize, I mean, so many similar experiences, but so many different experiences. I did not realize that, this is gonna sound dumb, but it's true, at the time, I did not realize that socioeconomic um, differences could actually, I mean, obviously now, but change how you see the world. We're looking at the same situation, we're in the same situation, maybe we even went to the same schools, we have the same friends, but we end up seeing those same situations so differently. This, this scenario that I'm telling you about where you know um, we would, in the classroom, learn about differences, go out and play, someone else would say, yeah, but you know what, on the playground, Someone made me feel like I didn't count mm-hmm. because I didn't hold this particular thing that they thought, you know, they took as fact. I didn't believe it. So that was an eye opener for me. And it sounds weird now because I'm saying it so many years later. And it's like, well, duh, obviously we do not think the same way. No. But at the time, I mean, I felt like I knew Ghanaian society through and through. And so to have that challenged... I thought, wow. Big eye-opener. And that's what I love about Girl Table, too. I personally, through the stories that people have told, I've come to learn so much about so many places that I thought I knew because I read. I thought I knew. Turns out I didn't know. Mm. No one place has one singular experience. It's not... Being a woman, you know, one of the questions we asked for our storytelling series, um, that used to be the the only series, and then we added other ones. The question is, what is it like to be a woman in your part of the world, right? Very quickly realized, yeah, I could be in Ottawa, Canada, and there are like three different million, three million different views of what it's like to be a woman in Ottawa. There isn't one singular lived experience, and that's okay. We do not have to agree that Ottawa is the best place on earth. We don't. And that's okay. And I should be able to listen. At the same time, of course, I would hope that as I listen to you, that you'll give me a chance to speak and you'll listen too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and that clearly that listening is uh not the intention doesn't seem for many people and 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 to go back to sort of um you know why this is currently happening you know maybe i wonder if there's this element of people wanting to just be heard and not having that platform like that you're creating uh for people to uh, genuinely authentically being heard and so people just want to put things out there because um they just want to say their piece and Mm -hmm. not want to have to uh, listen to anybody else and I, don't
1: know. Hmm. I think we all seek validation in many ways. Yeah. Um, it might just be putting out a post to see if other people think like me. And I will determine that based on the number of, I'm not picking on anyone here, but you know, the word like um, is associated <laughs> with, um, you know, anyway.
0: Um... <laughs> <laughs>
1: To see the you mean, number you don't points. have a like.
0: You don't have a like button. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have a. We have a. This is. We just chose another synonym. We have a cheer button. Okay, you cheer for me. Okay. All right. okay. <laughs> um. But. <laughs> but um. You know, I think. We have come to that point. I don't know, as a society, where sometimes, yeah, we do put out stuff to get validation. In that way, you know, mm-hmm. if I get. 900 and I don't know 600 likes I don't even know if I get this number of likes then it was a really great point and I'm awesome one of the things that I've learned um, through trying to grow a business is at some point you got to stop looking at the number of likes and focus on the content that you're putting out there if even one person If even one person has their life, their viewpoint, I don't know, improved in any way by something that I've done, that beats 10,000 likes. And that's why I said it comes down to, for me, remembering why I started, right? Or um, one of my favorite movies, The Lion King, remember who you are? Love it. Remember who you are. If you're running a business, remember what the business, what the point of the business was. Yes, there are times you have to pivot. I mean, we pivoted a bit during COVID, right? But that core reason, that internal makeup of you as an organization, as a person, you got to remember that. Because it's so easy to forget. And then start behaving in a way that, you know you're not exactly proud of maybe 10 years down the line for sure Hmm. all of this mind you obviously I didn't know this 10 years ago (laughs) or 20 years ago (laughs) but hopefully as we get older we learn by listening and seeking not to agree with people and I wouldn't even say seek to understand seek to know Seek to know why people think the way they do. Why do you... I don't even know. Think a certain way. Why do you disagree? We don't have to agree. By the way, I love debate. I was on the debate team. I love debate. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk. Let's hash it out. But let's do so in a respectful manner. Obviously, sometimes... Things might bubble over, but as much as we can, let's try to do so in a respectful manner. And sometimes all it is is keeping quiet while the other person speaks. Then you actually hear what they're saying.
2: Yeah. No. Thanks for that. Um, so I think we're probably getting towards the end of our time here. We have uh, we have two questions that we always like to ask our guests, uh, and I didn't come up with either of them. Um, so this is me stealing your precious <laughs> questions, but, uh, uh, first one's called five for dinner. So if, if you could have dinner with five people dead or alive, who would it be? doesn't have to be all at the same time. doesn't have to be like one big dinner party. It can be. Okay. Uh, but who are those five people? And, um, what would you serve at the meal? What like, oh. What would you cook for them?
1: What would I serve?
2: I added that last bit. That's Ooh. not part of your question.
1: Ooh, that's amazing. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. Wow, you threw in a – wow. I love cooking, so I'm just – I have no – I would cook everything. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, i believe in buffets. I would give you a whole spread. Pick. Oh, yeah. What do you want to eat? All
0: right, we're coming to <laughs> Ottawa. Yeah. This is, this is <laughs> happening. Waffles, pierogies. Oh, yeah. Cheeseburgers. That's all, right. all, uh, oh. Next, That's all I want. Our next podcast it. with you is live in Ottawa. <laughs> Um, so who are they? Um,
1: uh, who who are they? Yeah. I think mm, I'm gonna make it easier in myself. I'm gonna pick women. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think some of so I'm gonna start by saying some of these are people I admire because we see IOI on a lot of issues, and then some we actually don't on. Things that I hold near and dear. Um, But I find them absolutely fascinating for some reason. So that said, I will start with someone who I think um, was amazing in many ways. But also did some controversial things. You ready? Yeah, hit us. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Suspense. Ha ha. Um, The Iron Lady. Margaret Thatcher. Oh yeah. Um I remember in undergrad I picked up her bio and I was just fascinated, you know? How do you start from this background and end up here in this time? Do I agree with everything you did? Yeah, no. But wow. How do you get there like that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. How do you not just get there, but remain there? What did you do? Was it all good, was it all bad? Was some of it good? On the balance of things, how do you? How does this person think history's probably gonna remember them? Do I think that they wrote this bio to kind of control that? Hmm. I don't know. But I find Margaret Thatcher absolutely fascinating.
2: Cool. Hmm.
1: Another person Well, duh, Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) I would want that. You know, I'm going to cheat. I do not want to share the attention. We're not going to do a dinner. Um, Or we might, but I might stand on some other. Let's let's let the two of us. Let's take a stroll and leave everybody else because I want to hear word for word. I've read about her. I've watched movies about her documentaries, but I want to hear from her. How did you do that? Do I agree with everything? No. But I want to know. And then I, you know, would like to share.
2: Did she come from extreme I mean, poverty? Or like, like she had a pretty rough yes. background and then mm-hmm, built up. Mm-hmm.
1: She had a very rough background. Okay. How do you get there? How? Interesting. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt. I just love everything about it. Well, okay, maybe not everything, but a lot of things, a lot of things. Um, Her work on human rights, you know, especially pretty much the things she did while in office, you know, and then a lot of the things that she did out of office. Because I think you find that, for me, I just think that it's amazing when it's at that point where you don't have to, you really don't have to. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z because it's not... Expected of you, and then you just do because you care. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating.
0: Mm -hmm. She was quite the influential first lady. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Um. Since we're on first ladies, Michelle Obama. Mm. I think it takes a lot to again, come from where she came from, right? And the things that she went through and the things that she and Barack went through to do the things that she continues to do even now out of office, right? I mean, some people get out of office and you don't you know, hear about them again. They're probably doing stuff you just don't hear. And that's okay too, right? Um, But yeah, I find her story also, I admire her a lot. I find her fascinating.
2: Yeah, Pesh is a big fan of the the Obama family.
1: Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do you get there? I think for all these women and people in general, my question, how do you, I mean, you're here now, but, you know, I read your story and it, it, it really doesn't make sense. How did you get here? You know, you had classmates. How come they're not here with you? Everybody has classmates. But we all end up in different places, right? Last but not least, certainly not least, um, a woman I hold near and dear to my heart. This one, she's not somebody I simply find fascinating. She's somebody I admire, I adore. She's amazing, woo-hoo. My mother. (laughs) Now, let me tell you why. Um, Besides the fact that she did the most amazing thing on Earth and gave birth to me, (laughs) <laughs> um, she's accomplished in her own right she, she's in the legal profession she's risen to the top of her career in, in two countries and she did so for the most part as a single parent there were times where she wasn't a single parent but situations and circumstances made it such that effectively she was a single parent and so, to do all that she did and make it look, I gotta tell you, I didn't realize it was. This is gonna sound sad, so but honestly, I did not realize how hard parenting is. I didn't realize it because my mother made it look easy, hmm. she balanced her work. And me and my sister, and she was involved. in she was always volunteering here. She was doing that. She she made it look easy. So I didn't. I was rushing to grow up because I didn't realize how hard it was to grow up.
2: Has you having your own family changed your relationship with your mother?
1: I th- I would say and I would hope that it's gone better because I understand her a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in my teen years, uh, sad to say, I went through this phase where. I was constantly um Hmm, what's the word for it even? It's not just that I was argumentative. It was like I was pushing back on everything she said, you know? Everything she had to offer. Nope, they don't want it. You think <laughs> so? Okay, well I guess I'll think the other way then. <laughs> um And now I realize Yeah, I see why you think that, you know that is a wonderful show and that one is not and you know stuff like that right we we agree on many things we also disagree on many things and you know she'll be the first to say that um i do not hesitate to let her know that i disagree (laughs) but that's the thing i think you know if i have anyone to i mean obviously she gave birth to me but if i have anyone to thank if i have Someone who I could say has made me who I am, has shaped me, influenced me in so many ways. It's my mother. And that's just... She could have quit what she was doing for me, her job, all that. So many times. Over. She could have. She didn't. And she rose to her career. That's the thing that it's... It's like, how did you? I don't. How I don't did you get do it. how did you do that? I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want my mom on that table, because oh, I think she'd you. she'd be a hoot. They'd they'd have fun, <laughs> and then you know it would just it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Um, yeah. So my mom, my mom's name is Mabel Ajeman, um, and she's she's amazing, and all these women that I've mentioned. I think that even though we don't agree on everything, they are amazing in their own right. They they at least held to they stood firm for whatever they believed in. Whether or not, you know, I would agree with them on those things. They they believed in what they hold what they held dear, you know, and they they stood firm and they worked hard. And I believe in working hard, you know. I think that there are situations where <laughs> You might not be able to do as much as you wanted to but as much as you can work hard get better than you were today tomorrow let it be better than today because you worked hard 10 years from now look back and be proud of the person you've become not because you've become some major person and you know you're on tv or something um but because you can see how much you've grown from the person that you were And I think I picked that up from my mother. And I think that in all these women, you know, their life stories, at least, because obviously I haven't spoken to them. Um, But in the stories about them that I read in their bios, I got the sense that they were able to look back, right, For for, I think, obviously, for the ones who passed, they were able to look back. For the ones who are still here, they still look back. And they are proud of their growth journey. And i can only hope that 10 20 years from now i'll be able to do the same i don't want to stay stagnant
0: i'm sure you will (laughs) great thank you you want to finish it off kyle with the last one last question Mm -hmm. uh
2: beside the circle of life and okay now (laughs) i i've forgotten the question was it What's the one thing What's the one thing that you know to be true? So we're... Uh, what do you know for
0: sure? That's the thing.
2: Yeah, so we're, we're born and we're going to die. What else do you know for sure, to be certain?
1: What do I know for sure? Um, for sure, for sure, or just a little sure? Um, super I think... sure.
0: Yeah, super, <laughs> duper sure.
1: Yeah. Super, duper sure. I think that the tenets of my faith, for me, they're not negotiable those things that make up my faith, my personal faith, right? Because someone might be of my faith but might not see things the way I do. Um, Those are the things that I hold near and dear and I hold as true and I hold as facts and I stand on those because they've shaped me and continue to do so. Um, So I would say my faith. My faith is the only thing that I can stand on. Tomorrow, everything could be different. And I can say that now in the time of COVID, and it actually means something. Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. everything could be different. But that, my faith, is something that I would still be able to stand on and give me some sort of, if not peace, some sense of, well, we're still here. (laughs) yeah my favorite. Great, thank you
0: Thanks, Dee First, congratulations on just the last, you know, four years of working on the scroll table and and walking us through it and and the community that you've created, it just sounds incredible and uh, if there was ever an opportunity, like you said anyone can join, but uh, I would just love to kind of be a fly on the wall and, and, (laughs) and, and, and better know the stories of, uh, that people are sharing and, but, um, just wonderful work and congratulations. Uh, thank you for, for, you know, just the way you expressed yourself in a very candid way today and, and sharing your, your past stories and, and walking us through your journey. Um, you know, I've gotten to know you and your husband aside, but I feel like definitely gotten to know you a little bit better today and, uh, both you and your husband are just beautiful people so just very a, an extreme pleasure to have had you on our show uh we'll pull all the show in the show notes we'll put information and links to a girl table and, and to, uh, Dee Dee's profile and make sure you share this episode not <laughs> like this episode make sure you share this episode uh, and yeah just appreciate your time Dee, Dee, and and look forward to chatting with you outside this podcast uh, always and Um, just thank you again for joining us today thank you
1: for having me here Um, you know I really wanted to tell you that you know I was thinking before what things can people who don't identify as women do to support girl table and I thought look at what you two are doing you had me on here to come and talk about it and that I'm eternally grateful Mm. you gave me a voice And I'm not about to forget that anytime soon. So thank you you for having me here.
0: Our pleasure. All right, everyone. Great conversation. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Bye.